This is the fear of science. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to The Fear of Science, the show that dives into the wide world of science and science-adjacent topics to demystify, debunk, and delight. Each show features a new science-related fear with special guests and discoveries along the way. My name is Daniel Chai. I'm Jeff Porter. And we are at the beautiful Vancouver Public Library Inspiration Lab for our latest episode, which is titled The Fear of Race. Now, it is a, a very, uh, a very uh, important topic and one that is uh, absolutely huge. So today we are joined by two special guests to help us dive into this on the fear of science. Who do we have? I'm Savannah Erasmus. And I am Tunji Taylor-Lewis. Perfect. Thank you for being on the show. And I'm a black man. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess we got to go into this. Uh... For all of the listeners out there, this is the sound of a black voice. Yeah. He went there already. No, yeah. uh, well, I, I think, you know, I think that is, a, you know, a, a, an interesting way to, to get started. One that we haven't done yet on Fear of Science. So thank yeah. you, Tunji. No problem. Um, I, I, Daniel, as you can see from our photos on social media, I am an Asian man. Chinese, to be more specific. Um, I'm Savannah, and I am an indigenous woman. Um, I'm Plains Cree and Métis. And I am the most important voice in the country. Uh, kidding, kidding, kidding. I am, I am a white man. I am wow. so white. I am half Dutch, half Scottish. Could not get any more white. There's actually not any lighting in this room, but we can still see everyone uh, very well. Um, now, uh, I'm very glad that all of us are here in this room and we're laughing and we're talking with each other. Um, but, you know, uh, as we see on the news, as we see on social media, as, as we see... Maybe in our everyday lives, there are some people, um, uh, race is a very important subject and some people are afraid of race. And I think that's a two, almost like a two-parter question in a way. But um, uh, as we like to ask at the start of every episode uh, in relation to this topic, uh, we, we always like to ask our special guests and ourselves, uh, why are people, why do we feel that people are afraid of different races? Maybe there's not a right answer, but what do we think? Um, so a lot of my, um, like my opinion and my belief is that people are scared of race um, because um, our systems and our society has been built on colonialism and um, colonization. And that's also influenced our media and journalism and reporting and TV and everything we produce um, has, in my opinion, demonized and um, negatively pre presented different types of races. And in my experience, like my work is all about the proper representation of indigenous people because we have been left out of you know, popular media. We've been demonized. The things you do read in media about us are inaccurate or they're reported from a place of like misunderstanding and that kind of thing. So that's where, that's my opinion. Now, uh, for Savannah, for people who uh, are getting to know you and your work, uh, what is your work and what do you do uh, to, to try and combat these different, uh, these different views? Um, I am identify as an indigenous storyteller and stand-up comic. Um, also, I do have aspirations to be a broadcaster. Um, so a lot of my work on stage and my material and things I talk about are honest um, representations of myself and representing my um, yeah, indigeneity and talking about things that affect us in an informal way because I think that comedy is very accessible. Um, and I hope to create also content and uh, uplift other indigenous voices. Great. Very cool. Thank you. Yeah, like I agree with Savannah. It's just like a lot, all of this fear is like established 
systemically and uh you know we live in a capitalist society you know we all know it and like you know in this society that we live in there's a pecking order and like it's it's like interesting because like you know obviously nobody says this to us directly but like whether it's just the way we interact or like messages from the media representation all this stuff you know everybody kind of like knows their place in the pecking order and so like if you're a white male then you kind of have in the back of your head yeah like yeah <laughs> jeff <laughs> yeah you're, no but but uh if you're a white male then you kind of have it in the back of my head it's just like in no way shape or form am i supposed to be surpassed by a woman or by um any any, any other race of person you know like as a black man i'm not supposed to be surpassed by you know like any woman of color uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like you, you, you kind of have it, you know, it's almost as if like, okay, in this system that we live in, this is as good as I can have it. And if somebody who's lower than me is surpassing me like that, I need to, you know, do something to combat that, whether it's a, it's a remark or, you know, you, you know, like microaggression or like, you know, whatever, you know, like, you know, minorities, minorities have to face. So um and it, it's it's really like super in interesting like that's you can see that in the reactions people have it's like you know like um i'm sure like savannah like deals with that like in the comedy clubs right now like when she like when she kills on stage and you know and like guys guys i'm sure have felt threatened by that yeah i'm i don't know you very well but like, yeah but like that's just what that's <laughs> that just happened. the that's just the female of color experience all the time it's like the, the reason why you feel threatened by that is because you just feel like when you're going through life at the end of the day i'm supposed to be here and a woman of color is supposed to be like below me at all times at everything right so um yeah. i actually do talk about that in my stand-up where okay. it's like there's a social hierarchy mm -hmm. and me as a woman of color i'm on the bottom and mm -hmm. the joke is like a white man with a dog is like will always be above me because mm -hmm. you know it's like just like poking fun at that social hierarchy because it mm -hmm. does exist and yeah. it's what society has been built on yeah yeah the the uh, analogy i always use is like the uh the the, the american dream like when you like like and the like the american dream in the 1950s when you think of the image of that what do you think when you think of a nice house and there's the family right in front of it or well, what's the family it's white man you know you know white woman like his his white wife his you know two or three you know white children mm -hmm. and if there's you know any people of color in that image that person of color is doing some service work mm -hmm. and there's and that obviously we've evolved since then but like since like that's kind of where we come from we're kind of like dealing with like a modernized version of that which is like this one's here, this one's here, this one's here. And if there's any room for anything else there, you just put it somewhere, just put it somewhere over there, you know what yeah. I mean, in the background, so yeah. I was reading a really interesting article when I was doing some research for this. I didn't write down the name of the article or the name of the author. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> the gist of it was um, that a lot of the fear of different races come from people's Fear that they're no longer going to be in the majority mm -hmm. um, is that if if they have more people more people of more status, much like you were talking about, um, that are above them. Now they're going to become what they didn't like before. They're the, now the minority of it, mm -hmm. which I found really interesting. And I, I 100 uh, percent check my privilege. I realize I have never felt racism at all my entire life. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I I try to to mm -hmm. stay to to realize where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I feel that um, uh, now, you know, uh, as well, that, that question also made me wonder, you know, as well as like, are people, you know, why are people afraid of race? I wonder, are people, you know, this has been a very fa fascinating conversation already, mm -hmm. but it's one that that rarely happens in everyday life in my own life i may say um you know i have conversations about uh about sexism and about different sexualities and um but i don't really have the the opportunities or even um thoughts to have conversations about races um are people maybe uh, are people afraid of talking about racism? And I'm checking my own privilege to realize: Am I maybe not talking with the right people? Not spending the right, the being in the right places to learn and hear from these things? What do people think? I think people like in where I'm from, Vancouver, certainly are. 
because it's like a weird thing where like there's this funny joke by this uh like uh this comedian like dino archie is like the racism we have out here it's not that like you know like overt you know like right in your face racism like our racism got like a little bit of maple syrup on it right right <laughs> so like yeah it's a little bit more subtle and like you know there's some stuff systemically that goes on too but because it's not that overt like right in your face like uh, like right i i hate you whatever um you know derogatory term um because people aren't like that people don't want to like talk about like the, the the like the privilege and the stuff that's subtle but they they haven't really ever thought about because that's and that's a, and i and i get that because that's a tough conversation to have with yourself like oh like like this whole time i've been doing this that was like racist behavior right i didn't mean to do that you know but, I, it, like, oh that's a tough conversation mm -hmm. to have so i get why there's resistance to it but, yeah. and uh you know even here in in beautiful metro vancouver which where you love mm -hmm. um but you know the the trope the the cliche joke is oh it's a bad driver must be from richmond <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. and it's only half true um uh, but uh listen hey <laughs> you know sometimes you'd be driving in richmond and like <laughs> you get cut off by a person and you don't want to, you it's don't been, want they're to just think, trying to get on the number you don't three, want to uh, think it but you, you're just like oh man right. anyway <laughs> yeah and it's those stereotypes as well yeah. they, they all feed into it as well, but yeah. it's difficult not to, to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry. Um, yeah, just like to answer your, go back to your question. It's like, I have these conversations about race all the time because right. I am not in a position of privilege. So I'm always yeah. constantly bringing it up um, with people that I'm around and um, I talk about it like daily. Um, like at school, at work, um, that kind of thing, because I'm trying to bring awareness. And I think having these conversations is so important. And especially when it's like so prominent in my standup, like I, like I'm identifying myself and talking about these instances, I think that it's easier for me to casually bring it up in conversation. But I understand why people in, that are in privileged positions or have never experienced overt explicit racism um, don't talk about it. Right. I'm talking about it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, yeah. Uh, yeah, Jeff, this is a... Am I doing good? This is an intervention. Uh, yeah. I'm bringing up the conversation now yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, that's why I'm very, uh, I am glad that this, this was on the list of things that we talking about. Cause, um, uh, it's one, you know, in 2019, uh, you know, you would think, man, you know, uh, one would have thought that by 2019 we'd be in a better place in so many different ways um, but uh, you know this is a super broad question but is is, is racism getting worse better or the same uh it's like an eye test is it is it getting worse i mean i i am just i'm just the, not of that thought process at all that it's getting like i see it all the time like you know we're in the same you know spot that we were like 50 60 years ago and like i see those things on social media like what are you talking about like I'm I'm here talking with Jeff, and that's not even a thought of an issue. Whereas mm -hmm. 50, 60 years ago, like networks are literally getting met, uh, like letters in the mail, like like you know, don't don't mix that good white skin with that dirty black, like right, like it's like come on, like I understand, like there we have some really really bad moments, like you know, especially in America and up here too, obviously. Um, I'm actually really interested to hear about like the indigenous experience with this, but like just from just from my perspective, man, like like the, obviously there's so much work to be done. Right. But, like it's so like my heroes from back in the day couldn't go in the main room of hotels. They had to like go through the back door and stay in closets instead of the main green room. I've never experienced that in my life. And if I experienced that in my life, I would be completely shocked. And I could post about it on social media and it would go on viral. Tunji's podcast. And, and every and people of all races would would say would speak up about that. Like it's right. completely different. So right. I I don't think it is. Thank you. As a as a black person. But. Um I think it's gotten so I'm very cynical where I think that we're in the same position um, from 50 years ago um, for the like from an indigenous perspective. Um, 
But I do agree that like representation in media has gotten so much better. We are making extremely, like, it's extremely different now. And like you're saying, Tunji, like it's extremely different now. So I see that, but where like as an indigenous person, like, um, yeah, like I do still experience explicit racism. Like from, I remember this um, example from like literally two years ago in Vancouver, I was a server at this one restaurant and um, I got this question from an older white man and he asked me, what are you and where are you from? And it was at this time where I was finally brave enough and confident enough to say I'm indigenous and I'm Cree from Alberta. And that was really big for me because there's so much shame um, inherently like in my culture um, because, you know, all of the things that we've endured. But there is this and he he asked me, like, where am I from? And I answered him and he went on a tirade about how I am you know, like I'm like all of those stereotypes that you hear. And he yelled at me in my place of work just because I said that I was indigenous. So like that doesn't happen often, but that happened two years ago. So it still happens. And I think we still need to talk about it. And um, I think that um, because of what's happening in America, everyone and like because of ICE and, you know, the, the conversation about immigration, like I don't feel like we're making as much progress as we could. Mm -hmm. And I think we're still in the same position. Mm -hmm. So like, that's that fear. Like, I love the fact that we're using fear to describe like this whole issue of racism is because like for that old white man, he's, he's old. He can't really do anything about the fact that the world is changing and the world is changing in a way that, you know, he doesn't like. And all he can do is yell at a waitress who's just like serving him pancakes. You know, what I mean, that's that's all he can do about it. So like that, but like he, he's, he's just trying to like hold on to that power that he feels like you know he's entitled to. Like it's great, like it's it's fear. Like that's like the perfect descriptor for it. Like it's that's insane. Thank, yeah, thank it's, you. That's yeah. yeah. Thank you for saying it's, that. Uh, it's it's fear of change. Yeah, you know, which is we actually just did an episode on that. Part one. Uh, part <laughs> one, but we want to continue to do more. Um, but it's it's people being in their bubble and not wanting to change their mindset or or what they've experienced. Um, I grew up in rural Manitoba um, and talk about racism. Oh my God. Where? I want to know where you're from. Uh, Rivers, Rivers, okay. Manitoba. Is that Northern? Uh, Southern, like half an hour from Brandon. Okay. Yeah. Um, ah, say no more. <laughs> there's two places in Manitoba, Winnipeg and Brandon. That's pretty much it. Portage yeah. Prairie. Was that Brandon Weekings? Yeah, yeah. Ah, there we go. Um, but yeah, there was so much indigenous racism in Manitoba. It was incredible. Um, and I didn't even realize until I moved away from Manitoba and moved to BC how extremely bad it was. And I thought back on some of my life experiences that I've had. Mm -hmm. I remember working in a grocery store and being told if I ever saw someone who is indigenous uh, come into the grocery store that I had to go grab the Lysol off of the wall and lock it up in the back. Mm -hmm. And that was just something I didn't even think about. I was like, oh, that's kind of weird, you know. All right, I guess so. But and that's like my heart is breaking. Um, but that is just like an example of how like, yeah, you're raised in racism. You are yeah. raised, you, mm -hmm. you learn these things and you think it's normal. Yeah. Like there was a guy in my high school who had a racist nickname or a racist slur as a nickname mm -hmm. um, because he was racist. Mm -hmm. And that was why he how he got the nickname. Mm -hmm. And it's just crazy to think that people are being raised in this this bubble and being taught that this is okay and then lashing out when they get challenged later on in life if if they even do move to a more multicultural mm -hmm. city or area. Yeah. Like how do you stop that? Yeah. Yeah. 
Now, uh, uh, you know, as we talking about, um, you know, uh, uh, creating content where this uh, podcast is is uh, created content and we have two content creators with us um, in, in your works. I was wondering if you can share with our listeners a little bit about how with with your uh, with with your content that you you work on, you put out into the world, um, how uh, how race perhaps flavors what you do, um, how race inspires what you do, and and what you hope to achieve with um, with your content and uh, uh, within the, the contents and uh, the confines, rather, of uh, this race conversation. So this, for me, has, has played a huge part in, for me, the difference between my experience performing live on stage and putting stuff out on Instagram and, and TikTok and that sort of stuff. Um, you know, growing up in Vancouver, you know, just having a natural, like, you know, love and talent in theater, um, you know, you're used to being, the, you know, and, and in a bunch of other places, but like, you know, specifically in performances, well, you're used to being the only black one. And then like, I find my love for improv comedy. I go out there with like my group of people and like, you know, and you know that it's it's in people's heads that oh that guy is black like you just know that people see you like see that you're different from everybody else on the stage you know that a lot of people on uh in that audience probably don't have a lot of black friends so this is like this is going to be like uh one of this is like a rare encounter with a black person that they're going to have so for me that at the time at the time that like really excited me because i'm like it was sort of like a weird thing. It's like, okay, like people are already looking at me. Like I already got their attention. So like, let me, let me like show them, you know, like what I'm made of and stuff like that. So that was always, that was a huge motivator for me. Like throughout my improv career was just to like, you know, deliver on the fact that I already got eyeballs on me. And also just to, uh, art is also just a really, really powerful way for people to have like, you know, a, a a certain perception of somebody of a certain race, right? So if I'm like their introduction to a black person, if I've made you laugh for an hour and a half, that's that that's good as far as your as far as your perception of black people. Right. As I transition into social media, um, I uh, the way I built uh, the majority of my audience was doing like a bunch of uh, lip sync imitations of like my favorite comedians. Like I did a whole bunch of like I'm a total comedy nerd, so like you know Johnny Carson and. I was doing weird stuff like like Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin and then also Chris Rock and Steve Hart. Like, you know, I'm, I'm doing everything that I can think of because I love all of it. Right. And uh, the ones that started to do the best were the black comedians. And, you know, just like going to pure marketing mode. OK, I'm just like just going to do these black comedians that like get a lot of traction, blah, 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 all this stuff. And now my my audience on social media is like the just like you know like 80 80-ish percent black which is awesome and that was like the first time that I realized it's just like you know what as great as it was to have that motivation of like giving people like an introduction to black people live on stage I was constantly in the mindset of pandering to the sensibilities and humor of white people and that wasn't necessarily my humor these black comedians that I'm imitating, I actually love these ones the best because I feel like I connect to, like e like even, I don't connect with the, the African-American experience because like I grew up in Canada my whole life, but just the way they perform, the way they tell jokes, the way, like all of it, like I love it. It's like Eddie Murphy's my idol, you know what I mean? Like that, like that sort of thing. And I had to like, maybe like turn that down just a little bit or maybe like, you know, amp it up a whole bunch because like that would like, you know, like shock white people into laughter, you know what I mean? But like here, I don't have to think about it. I can literally just be myself and just do the stuff that I want to do. And there's a huge, there's a huge freedom in that. For, for your, for the 80% uh, of the, your audience being black people yeah. uh, what do you hope your 80% of the black audience uh, gets from from you and your work uh, I, I, don't, I guess for me you know just like I guess just a sense of like a, just a sense of community just like a communal feeling just like you know, like I have my own podcast that I do, and that's just sort of my uh, way of Tunji's like, podcast. <laughs> this is just like that wasn't a plug, but, <laughs> but it's a plug now. Everybody go check out my podcast. It's called Tunji's Podcast. Uh, <laughs> but it's just like it's just, I for me, it's almost my way of just like you know, just like gathering like all my people around and just like having 
you know, just like having a conversation, like, hey, let's let's talk about, you know, you know, just just what what I'm thinking about today, and like, um, the majority of them are black. The majority of those black people are black millennials. So it's just like a cool way of going. Like, this is something that that's on my mind. It's probably on somebody else's mind too, since the demographic is close to my age. And um, yeah, yeah, that's what I, you know. I was gonna ask as well. Um, I'm gonna ask both of you as well. Um, being performers um, of color, do you feel that there is a pressure that's put on you to be the representation of your community? Because I know myself, when I did stand-up comedy for five whole minutes, um, I never felt a pressure of representing the the white man community. Mm-hmm. Um yeah i feel so much pressure um i've had people come up to me after i've done stand-up and they've said um like they've never like met an indigenous person before or like you know like never heard these perspectives from an indigenous person when all i'm talking about on stage is like my honest experience and being a 23 year old and going through all of these things um and when i first started stand-up i went a different route i was more punching down and making fun of myself and you know making fun of those stereotypes and really pandering to a white audience and when I think back to that like I've only been doing stand-up for like almost two years now and that makes me that breaks my heart to think that I ever played into those stereotypes because now my work is I have a voice people are looking at me you're gonna hear real honest things that I endure just because I'm indigenous and just like because of racism um and yeah i also feel so much pressure to be the funniest be the best look so good oh i'm always like shopping and like trying to represent myself like quote unquote properly or like you know um and yeah i think it's like really unfortunate that i have to you know have all this pressure on me when someone else that is not in my of of color doesn't have to do that (laughs) you can just focus on the jokes yeah. 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 I, and that feeling of like you're gonna let down your community. Yeah. If you have you to work twice as hard. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just not just in performance. That's just in life. Like yeah. you know, and like right. you know, just like just like black people in general, man. Like the way you see us, like you know, whether it's like in the green room of a performance space, or whether it's at work, or whether it's just like you know, just you know, just going about life. The way we are in those venues is not at all how we are when we're just amongst each other like mm-hmm. it's it's like a whole different ball game we're louder we're like you know like like we're we're like we're laughing way louder we're like you know like you know telling stories in a real anime like we're like and like i i've like luckily been somebody who's been able to like you know keep the same energy and like when, no matter like what venue i'm in but even for me like you know like like certain aspects of myself are certainly like turned up way more when i'm just around like you know like other black people or other like you know um african people because 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 i because because uh i i know that there's just uh like for example when i say something about like our experience i don't have to explain it right it's just it's just like immediately understood like i like i was even telling that to my girlfriend one time because like you know there was there was a time in my life when i was in college and like a couple years after that like i i just thought it was like written writing on the wall like i was for sure going to be with a white woman because i wasn't seeing any sisters around like it just it just was what it was like i was just gonna and and i was telling her i was like i'm actually so glad <laughs> i'm actually so glad that i'm dating you a black woman and um she grew up uh, a lot of her life in nigeria so she has that like west african experience just like i kind of grew up with uh in my household i'm just like i'm so glad that i'm dating you because man there's just like things that i can express to you that you're just going to just immediately understand mm-hmm. and like even if i was just like with a woman not just a white woman but a woman of any other race who loved me right there would still have to be work to sort of explain no because like when this happens this is how it feels to me because so and so and like it's it's you know it's it's real so yeah you you have shared experience shared experience like and and same thing for her like she she's a freaking engineer you know she's in corporate you know she's in the corporate world she comes back with stories all the time and she tells me about them 
Right. There's no process of trying to have to convince me that that's what actually happened. Like, I know that. Yeah, you know, so. Uh, so um, uh, earlier on, Savannah, you were mentioning about how uh, in, you feel that uh, uh, the experience for indigenous people um, is still needs lots of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you... Um, oh, it's a very broad, broad question, huge question. Um, but what can be done for for our listeners, whether they're here in Vancouver or if they're listening from elsewhere in Canada? Uh, what can we do to to help the uh, indigenous voice be heard, to help the indigenous cause, as it were? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good question. Um, we can really do a lot. Um, my first thought is to educate yourself because the problem, the problem, the problem that we're experiencing is that um, the history that we have been told is almost a lie, uh, almost completely made up, and it's not true. And um, the narrative that is out there is um, biased and racist. And mm. so you really have to educate yourself. And even me, as an indigenous person, um, I'm only like three years into my journey of rediscovering my identity and reclaiming um, my culture. So every day I am reading more. I'm reading um, books from indigenous authors. I'm, um, you know, I'm looking for indigenous history of this land that we are on in Vancouver and the history of the land and when it was taken away, which was as recently as 1911. Um, And I am just trying to have open dialogue, you know, and I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I think in my experience, when I bring up indigenous issues and um, my, my culture and all of these things is like with, with white people or with my white friends is that they don't know what to say or what to do. And, you know, it's like uncomfortable for them, but if you are willing to just listen and learn and, you know, be an ally, it goes so far. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Uh, what uh, you know? Uh, what resources are there here in Vancouver um, or online that maybe we can learn more info? That's a difficult one. Um, I like I personally follow so many Indigenous artists, creators, and Great. leaders and journalists on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. There's so much out there. Um, you can also follow. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't follow like one specific thing. Right. I, I think that's really good. You know, I think that's a really good point in general. A, uh, in general, support arts and culture. Yeah, in uh, general. Yeah. Yes, in general. Um, but also specifically uh, supporting uh, uh, arts and culture and creators from the indigenous yeah. uh, uh, peoples of Canada. I think a that's really great. great resource also that I've been learning so much from is just like CBC Indigenous. Um, the writers there are changing the way that indigenous issues are save cbc <laughs> honestly yes because yeah. the all of the writers i look up to them so much all the journalists are doing incredible work and it's because um it's because of them that i was like re like my interest in broadcasting was ignited so um i think that they're doing really great work and they're reporting factual and they're changing the way that you report on indigenous issues and communities yeah <laughs> I think just like in general, like, I feel like Savannah, you'll totally agree with this. Like, I feel like the best thing people can do is just like, like, is like, like, listen (laughs) to when people like when, um, if you like see a post on social media of like a person of color talking about what struggles they have to go to instead of being like nah that's not what actually because you know like we all do that like swipe 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 past it because it's uncomfortable like you know like every once in a while just like listen to like what this person is saying and like you know give a good thought as to like why that that's their perspective and like if you you know have a person of color who is like your your actual friend and um and that's the topic of conversation that comes up you know for me i really appreciate it when like my white friends like ask questions about it and aren't bringing any of their preconceived notions into it like they're just asking they just genuinely want to know what my perspective is i get to express it that when when that happens i'm like you're awesome because Mm -hmm. because you know the worst thing is like when you know like you know like um usually like a white person will like bring like their preconceived nurse notion about like black issues or the black experience it's like it's it's really it's it's, it's infuriating 
because it's just like uh, like uh, uh like and then like to have to like go back and like to unpack that and say why, why this is wrong why this is wrong and all that stuff it's just like so much uh easier of a conversation to have when somebody who is just does not have that experience is just asking questions about the experience that i'm having and just like taking it in as like you know yeah as truth as far as like what my experience actually is so mm -hmm. yeah yeah um if i can talk to the white people right now. <laughs> yeah. get get your people, get, get people. Um, i think one of those because they don't listen to us <laughs> exactly no i'm just um i think one of the the problems too is that um since white people have done so much shit in the past um that when you start talking about race that um white people feel attacked about it where even though I had nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. I think it's just realizing that talking about the past, realizing there was shit in the past, mm -hmm. and not taking that as a personal attack so that you can open up that conversation and hear other people's yeah. perspectives is kind of the first step to kind of learn about everybody else. And bring it back to the to the fear part, like 90-year-old man. Yeah. A 90-year-old man has oppressed black person, indigenous person. He sees that black person, indigenous person is on the come up. And there's a big fear of like, my Lord, the way that we've treated people are so bad. If they get to the same level as us, or if they get above us, or if they get above us, what are they gonna do? What are they going to do to us? Like I saw somebody made a point about that. Like that's always stuck in my mind. It's just like all of the messed up stuff that white people have done to oppress people of other races. There, there is a fear there. I, I think I believe that these races are going like the, the, the their trajectory is up, and if they end up like being above white people in society, like there's a fear of white people is that there's it's going to be payback time, yeah. and they don't want that because of how cr crazy they were, like yeah. in the past, right? So you know what my opinion is. Yeah. What I think that those white people should do then stop being shitty. White people. <laughs> <laughs> so that when the revolution comes and they're on the bottom yeah, that they haven't yeah, done any yeah. shitty that to answer for yeah um i have that conversation all the time it's like what you know like i'm not asking all white people to like i'm not blaming you mm -hmm. like i'm not attacking you i'm asking you to listen and mm -hmm. to learn and to help us deconstruct this, the colonial system that we're in mm -hmm. that makes my life a living hell yeah. and makes my yeah. family's life a living hell. So I'm not blaming you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it benefits white people too is just like, you know, we talk about, I just talked about capitalism and like, I think it would just like put things into perspective of like what's actually important in life. Because again, this whole system is about like who can get ahead, who can make the most money, who can yeah. like, you know, be like the furthest ahead. And like, we've placed that as the most important thing about life is like how big of an opportunity you could possibly get to have the biggest job, the most money, the biggest house, all that stuff. But like, like if you like scale back on that and like put more of your efforts towards like, you know, human to human interaction, your life will just be like so much better that way. Like you're not stressed out about like things that are stupid. Or things that are placed at a level of importance that they're not placed on. Like, you know, you know, mm -hmm. that that's just is what it is. I think like it's, it's it'll be beneficial for everybody. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. One thing that we haven't really talked about as well is Daniel's experience. Mm -hmm. because you are another voice in this conversation. That is true. Uh, yeah, uh, this this conversation has been very um, uh, illuminating. Uh, I grew up in in Surrey, British Columbia. Was born uh, was born you know here in BC. Uh, lived here all my life. Um, I've experienced racism, mm -hmm. but because I, I grew up with a predominantly uh, w white friends, um, worked in, you know, predominantly white, you know, workplaces. Um, it's, uh, it's, there has been times in my life where I almost kind of feel a little bit disconnected from my, my own mm -hmm. race. Uh, and, you know, it's in my adulthood, I've been able to, to reclaim part of 
uh, what being Chinese is to me. I've had a chance to go back to China with with my uh, with my father a couple of years ago, which was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, uh, my I think I'm still trying to uh, process my own feelings around my own race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is probably going to be uh, a fringe show in the future. <laughs> I say that half tongue in cheek. Um, but that will yeah, do. Yeah. That I will do very well because all the white liberals will be like, "I'm going to support yeah. the Asian community." Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, uh, yeah, being um, I, you know, I'm really glad to have you both share your experiences. Um, I think my my experiences with race is is very uh, is very Canadianized, mm-hmm. and. Um, almost comes from a very uh uh from a place of from a place of privilege um i've definitely had racist experiences in my life but um but comparatively and maybe this is just me minimizing it because that's what that's what uh canadians and Mm -hmm. white people do Mm -hmm. um uh I feel that my uh, my own experiences with race um, is is still uh, is still being figured out, mm-hmm. even as a middle aged uh, Chinese Canadian man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Yeah. Great. Um, nice tattoos, by the way. I'm just like. It's just... I was supposed to be listening to Daniel's story. Actually, the tattoos, uh, the tattoos uh, remind me of uh, an interesting thing that happened to me not too long ago at the airport. Uh, I ran into a friend of mine, um, uh, Rashid, and we ended up having dinner together. Mm. And then we went to go th- through security. And Rashid turned to me and he was like, by the way, you might not want to come through security with me. He's like, because I'm not going to have a good time going through. Uh, And I was like, that's interesting because I do not have a good time going through security either, having two full sleeves of tattoos. Um, I am always randomly selected for the drug check. I'm also randomly selected every time. And uh, so then Rashid and I said to each other, well, Let's do a little experiment. Let's see. <laughs> go through at the same time and let's see what happens. Who gets pulled? And uh, so we went through. And I'd, I'd like to say that I'm happy that I was the one who got pulled. Rashid made it through no problem. Okay. Progress. Yeah, progress. <laughs> well, like that even just like got to me thinking because like there's a lot of discussions about like, you know, it's 2019. Like racism shouldn't be an issue. And I'm just like, you know, like... <laughs> human beings are flawed and so like even if there was such a thing as like color blindness and like nobody could tell the difference between anybody in this room we'd find a way to to like discriminate against each other so, like some people would like find a way to discriminate against each other in a, in a real way it happens all over the world people are facing injustices because they're this and other people are that like you know mm-hmm. so um yeah, that that's sort. Of, I mean, like maybe that's that's more of my that's probably my cynical point of view. Is mm-hmm. like I'm, you know, for me it's like a weird thing where like uh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if I'm all that concerned about completely eradicating racism because that just so happens to be the thing that you know in North America we are you know we we discriminate against others about, and it's just a matter of. Um, you know, just just like having that strong sense of self and like not needing the validation of people who don't like you anyway. And I'm and it is 2019, so I'm in a position again where I can, I can like have the like live the life that I want to live. Hmm. And you know, if certain people don't like it because my skin is a different color, then that's that's their issue. Like you know, right? So interesting. That's which is which is hard. Which is hard, and that's hard to like get that all the way through your brain because like what others think about you like affects you it does but like that's sort of what I'm working on personally that's my journey is like really getting to the point where like I don't I genuinely like mm-hmm. I don't care like at all thank yeah. you it's determining yeah. your own self-worth right? exactly. and, and loving yeah. yourself yeah and I think a lot of what you're talking about is is embracing your differences mm-hmm. everyone is different everyone's unique mm-hmm. and loving yourself for the way you are yeah I think is a personal journey that everybody goes through in some way mm-hmm. so I think that's something very important still mm-hmm. keep in mind yeah right um I would say uh uh very inspiring. I think that my journey, my journey with with race, I think is through con- 
continue trying to um, uh, examine my, uh, you know, when when things come up and I feel a certain way, almost like checking myself and mm-hmm. checking where, where and why those things like happen. Like, for example, you know, it's like when uh, when a, a Canadian actor from Kim's Convenience, Simu Liu, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, became um, uh, became a. Uh, uh, a new superhero. That, oh, uh, Shang Chi. There we go. I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, Iron Fist. That's not right, because <laughs> uh, we all know Iron Fist is white. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, when when uh, he he was announced, but then there was a, a uh, there was a YouTube video that um, that basically was saying about how he wasn't good looking enough to to play this hero, and it's like what? <laughs> um, but then it was talking about like, oh, as an Asian, you know, as an Asian man, uh, we don't often get looked at like as uh, as sex symbols, um, which is why I'm very Even lucky. though all of you are. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, I think part of my journey is to, um, is to realize that I am still on this journey, mm-hmm. even from a very Canadianized version of, of, um, and as someone who really likes Maroon Five, that <laughs> uh, I still have lots to learn. Um, what would you, Savannah? What What would you say? Uh, since it's, we're in the introspection part, um, where 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 are you headed on your journey? Um, I think that I'm gonna continue um, being like, yeah, reclaiming and celebrating my own self and my own identity. And if that's on social media, so be it. And if it's on stage, that's amazing. Mm. Um, But yeah, celebrating myself and reclaiming my language and also celebrating um, everyone else's journey because it is a journey. Yeah. And like the great thing about like, obviously like, you know, there's, there's stuff that's really like messed up about the entertainment industry, but like, the great thing about the entertainment industry is like, you know, the thing that makes you different is oftentimes the thing that's going to like propel you to like, you know, like crazy success. Like we're seeing like Lily Singh, the Indian girl has got like her talk show on on uh, on NBC. Lily Singh is like she's like an Indian female who's killing from Canada, from Toronto, from Toronto. Yeah, exactly. Like she killed it on social media for years, and like she's like, and like, like she's talented, but she's a she's talented and she's different, and like that's 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 a huge um, feather like in our cap as as people of color. I feel like, especially in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who is an Indian bagpipe player. Yeah, come on, and, he's uh, out of here. And he's he, out of here. He is, he's treated like a celebrity in the bagpiping community he's, just because he is so different from he's everybody else. out of here. Yeah, uh, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, that was that was incredible. That conference. Oh, did you have? Oh yes, yes. Um, one other. What? Uh, speak. You know, speaking of the entertainment industry, um, to uh, uh, there's you know for a long time, um, I myself, you know, uh, uh, I looked at Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. and I. And I was, Saturday Night Live, Bowen Yang is Bowen. the first Asian cast member, and it was oh. announced today, and it's, oh. it, he made history, yeah. and I love Bowen Yang so much. And he's also uh, an openly gay man. Yes. Yeah, so oh, he's I a... I have no idea. Um, yeah, yeah which crazy. is super... Which um, uh, Better believe I retweeted that Hollywood Reporter report, because I'm like, yeah, awesome. That's first time, first... I don't uh, think I've ever seen absolutely. represented. Uh, first always, East like, Asian. Asian man? Absolutely. Wha- Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Which is in history today. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so why, that's why I think, you know, like, you know, even in 2019, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I am hopeful that, you know, conversations like this can keep happening and keep going and that we can keep, you know, uh, uh, keep getting closer as all races and at the same time i think absolutely hell yeah let's celebrate when when people break through these barriers and and uh uh and break down these racial barriers bowen yang if you're listening come on to vancouver come on the come on the podcast i also think that everyone's voice needs to be heard when it's the opposite when we're not having representation especially in entertainment if we're if we're hiring white actors to play asian roles or whatever. <laughs> it's just like you know it's happened 
the Scarlett Johansson uh, uh, yeah. thing there with Ghost in the Shell. Like, it's it's ridiculous that that's still happening. Yeah, we're about so to open. many amazingly talented people. We're about to open a whole nother can of worms. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a whole <laughs> another, Part two? That's another part. <laughs> that's another part. <laughs> that's, yeah. <laughs> um, so wow. normally with, with every episode, I, I end off with a hashtag. Um I'll I'll go into whatever the the topic is and do the hashtag of it. When I put in hashtag racism, um, <laughs> it was it was not an enjoyable experience. Oh my god! Yeah. But I did what I wanted to do was do a shout out um, to a great um, Twitter feed that I found called uh, Racism Watchdog. Oh. I don't know if anyone knows of that. Oh, uh, bark bark bark. Yes. Bark. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. it's a Twitter account that finds racist tweets and then barks at them depending on the amount of barks of how racist it is. I'm yeah. following them. Oh, I'm going my to God. Incredible. Who gets to decide that? I have no idea. Yeah, like, dog. who I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. The dog just has a sense. This is... But yeah, they're doing a great job six of calling bucks. out blatant racism on Twitter. Social media. Accountable. Yeah. Now, That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Now, uh, uh, to to piggyback off of that a little bit, um, if if listeners, if you haven't already seen it by the time this episode comes out, uh, look for the viral video of the two babies running towards each other. Oh, yeah. Where was the my the, friend, my friend? Yeah. yeah. And it was one white baby nobody and one to, black baby. No, nobody wants to talk about why that video is going viral. <laughs> it's t- as a white boy and a black boy, mm-hmm. and it's two boys. Mm. Men don't hug each other like you know. <laughs> and also, they're yelling, "My friend, yeah. my, my friend. friend!" And he's showing the toy, like, yeah. and then they run down the street again. And yeah, the black right. boy dusts the white boy because black people are faster. Nobody Let the joy about, into your heart. Yeah. Nobody wants to talk about why this video. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess what we're saying is, uh, um, uh, hug, hug someone with consent hug of a different friend. color. Yes, yes, hug. It's not uh, gay. <laughs> fear of masculinity. Uh, uh, listen that. listen to that episode too um and uh while you're you're checking out this video uh make sure you check out the social media of our guests oh yes absolutely like to plug your oh. social media cool yeah so uh i'm uh, primarily on instagram and this the the app that the kids are using tiktok you can find me there at T-U-N-J-I-T-L um, Sorry, I'm messing this up right now. This is the one part where I'm supposed to say probably. Tunji uh, T-L, T-U-N-J-I-T-L on uh, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Snapchat, and then on Facebook, I'm Tunji T-L 13. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. And on Instagram, I'm underscore not Savannah. And on Twitter, I'm underscore not Sav. And also follow Millennial Line. I do a monthly comedy and poetry show with my comedy partner, Tin Lorica. Um, and we feature artists of color. So it's pretty amazing. Uh, pretty great community. I think you would really love it. We talk about race in a really interesting way. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. Uh, wow. Uh, that was a, a fascinating, illuminating conversation. And one that uh, what I love about our uh, podcast, Jeff, is that it always feels like we could go for like another hour. Yeah, we were yeah. about uh, to get into yeah. a whole other conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was yeah. actively trying to restrain yeah. my yeah. rants. Racism <laughs> 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 uh, in the entertainment industry. Don't do it, man. Don't do it. <laughs> uh, but the best part about fear of science uh, is that we will always have more podcasts coming your way so make sure to stay tuned to us on all of your favorite podcast players and as chef mentioned on our social media you can find us on instagram twitter and facebook come let's be friends and let's get learning yeah and thank you for listening